0: Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All
1: engine running. Running.
0: Running. 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 tranquility base here. The Welcome to the Selected Podcast. I'm your host Dan Taylor, and clearly, I'm taking this voiceover way too seriously. And we're back. A little bit different there this week. Normally I do the, uh, and we're back, but I gave you the, uh, I'm taking things a little serious. I'm trying to take things a little bit more seriously for the Pitch Doctor. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, which I know you aren't, we're sitting in today with Christoph Solich, otherwise known as the Pitch Doctor, and during my intro so many, many minutes ago, I fucked up. I called him the Startup Comedian, but he's actually not the, he is a Startup Comedian. Am I right? How did I get that wrong?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no. You said it like I use the pitch shucker because the the pitch shucker I use as a brand, like a personal brand. But with startup comedian, I don't really do that. I normally say I'm the world's first, only, and best startup comedian because I've sort of invented the <laughs> genre of startup comedy. Um, but it, it's not, It's no biggie. It's not that you have to re-record that um, that intro. So no, oh, I never about re-record it. anything. No, you shouldn't. Ever.
0: No, no, no. Well, no. so you invented the genre, and uh, Robin, I know you're listening. It's entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, uh, I have to, I have to drop entrepreneur into every episode because Robin and I spent at least three minutes in a previous episode coaching. You mean the
1: horrible, the horrible Belgian, Robin? Entre,
0: entrepreneur. Oh shit. Oh, oh. We 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 dropping bombs now. Them sound like Absolutely. some fighting words. Oh, and
1: you aren't you aware? And this is this is funny that you bring up Robin because Robin is actually the the reason for our beef. Is my startup comedy, so <laughs> let's let's get into why Robin Vauters is a horrible, horrible person, and one of my biggest enemies.
0: I don't want to get sued for slander, but it's uh, my show. So yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. All right. Robin's my boy, yo. What's your beef with Robin? Step to this, motherfucker.
1: Okay. So here's the thing with Robin. I like him. I think he loves me and I'm a role model for him and generally an inspiration <laughs> and multiple other things. He probably has a poster of me in his room. So we're cool.
0: On the ceiling.
1: Yes. Yes. But the, the foundation of our deep, deep friendship is that he refuses to watch any of my startup comedy, and he has had multiple opportunities to watch it. There is stuff on YouTube that I've sent him, and he never watches it. The, when I'm doing it at conferences, and he's always there because you know he's a conference dude, so he's always around, and he always leaves the room when I do my startup comedy.
0: Well, you got to admit, your routine is a good chance to go to the bar.
1: Yeah, but you do that before. You want to get drunk before I do what I do. That's why normally when I do startup comedy at conferences, they always put me after lunch. Because I wake up the people that are sort of tired from a day of conferencing and eating.
0: Two martinis.
1: Exactly. And then I'm the injection of fun and entertainment and general happiness into an audience that then for the rest of the afternoon is back on the horse for more amazing content at a conference. So I don't know why he leaves. I think in the beginning it was sort of a, it was sort of an accident. And then it became a thing. And now I think it's sort of, yeah, it's the basis for our amazing friendship. So I think he fears that if he starts looking at me and realizes I'm not just this great person, great friend, great inspiration, but I'm also the funniest person he's ever seen. I think he's afraid that it would ruin it for him. Like our friendship, that he couldn't be friends with me anymore because I would be so much of an idol for him Mm. at that point. I think that's his fear. But you have to get him on again. after our episode and you just have to talk to him about what is this feud that's going on what is this sort of this thing where he doesn't watch my startup comedy i don't i don't know what's what's wrong with him but i that's the only explanation i can give
0: i'm putting a pause in right there so i'm gonna cut it hang on a second i'm gonna message him right now and see if he's available (laughs) (laughs) hang on hang on Uh, for a quick quick rebuttal robin are are you available for a quickie uh, oh shit! Wait a minute. Hang on. Where that would actually
1: Where be really funny if you like. We you cut there and then you say something like, "Oh, actually, we put him on the line. It's now a threesome." <laughs> oh, I hope he's available, dude. Hey,
0: I'm good. Are you free right now? What are you doing right now? No, no. Ah, We're sh- a nine okay. Bye. Bye. Nine <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Well, well, listeners, we tried to get Robin Vauters on the line, but he is launching a massive report in nine minutes. I think that's code for he's taking a dump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will get him on another time for a rebuttal. But I did have one thought while you were telling me you were describing the beef. Has it ever crossed your mind that he is preparing? to pitch doctor the pitch doctor. He wants to bring fresh eyes. He doesn't want to see your material so that he can come in with an objective consultation.
1: Could be, but then why hasn't he done so? Like, we've been playing this game for probably two and a half, three years at least, where he's fully aware of what I do. He's fully aware that every single person loves it. Everybody says it's amazing, but he's keeping himself from watching it. If it was to give me... Feedback on it, I would appreciate it. But then at some point, he has to say, okay, now I'm watching it. Now I'm giving you feedback because otherwise, what are we waiting for?
0: The phone works both ways, my friend. What does that mean? <laughs> well, it means he hasn't called you, but you haven't called
1: him. Ah, uh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. I've, but I've told him so many times to watch it. So no. he doesn't want to watch it, I, I don't know. I, I see the ball in his court here.
0: All right. Okay. All right. Well, Robin, we're going to get you on again. We're going to... Uh... I don't know. I think, I think we'll style it. Maybe we'll get Robin all dressed in Puma, you dressed in Adidas.
1: That could be fun.
0: I can put a striped jersey on. We can have a microphone fly in from the ceiling.
1: I think that could be totally fun, but I could also see something else being fun. Why don't you get him on the show and you do a Robin reacts to... Type of you know that type of youtube video <laughs> but then you're not yeah you're not video based and my pitches are always like my comedy pitches are always very visual so it would probably wouldn't work that well but otherwise he could react to one of my pitches and you could turn that into an episode maybe it would be a special video episode i don't know if you do those Ooh. but yeah, I, I could i see a ton of potential for anything against or with robin vauters i am up for it <laughs> all right mostly against mostly against.
0: It's mostly against. Well, listen, Doctor, comedy is an art form. Yes. It's a bit of performance, it's a bit of combat, because I truly believe it takes a gladiator to stand on stage and deliver jokes, right? So, like any art form, it should be studied. Where does your comedy background start? Who are, who are some of the people, like, when, when did you first become aware of comedy as an emotional tool?
1: That's a good question. Um, Because I have to say the first thing first. I am not a comedian. That is the hardest job on the planet, I think, especially stand-up comedy. I think that is something that... I'm so afraid of, like I would never go on stage and just do stand-up comedy where you're just standing there with the microphone, you have nothing else. That's that's ridiculously hard to do. So I have a ton of respect for what those people do because the hard thing about it is you have to find things that are funny basically to anybody because you – Unlike in a pitch situation where you pick five people in an audience that you want to invest in your company and everybody else you don't care, if you go in front of 500 people to do stand-up comedy and five people laugh and 495 hate it, you're not going to be a successful stand-up comedian. So you have to do comedy that appeals to just human beings in general. What I do is I cheat a little. I make it easier for myself because I'm not saying I'm funny enough to just make jokes about anything that anybody would love, but I am deep enough in the startup scene that I can spe- make specific jokes about the startup scene that work for people in the star- in and around the startup scene. So my startup comedy does not work with my mother because she's not in startups. She has no knowledge about it. She doesn't get any of the jokes. She's like a hundred jokes. She would get one.
0: That's really funny you say that because two days ago, I sent my mom your best product ever 2020. She, yeah, okay. And and I was watching her, she she tears were rolling down her face. Okay. She told me that's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've seen in a long time.
1: But did she did she cry because it's so cringy? Because and I think we have to explain to the audience what I did there was in 2018, and this is important, I did not do this while the pandemic was going on, but in 2018, I built a presentation where, as part of my startup comedy thing, I pretended that I had a new product that I was pitching and my new product was the year 2020. And what I was basically doing, I was picking things that were wrong with 2018, like famous people dying and Donald Trump being Donald Trump and stuff like that. And then I said, we need a better product. And then I talked about that there was a new product coming out. So this was towards the end of 2018. I said there's a new product coming out. We've heard about it. It's rumors about 2019 and then I made a bunch of I made up a bunch of horrible things that would that would happen in 2019 and I basically said that product is even worse. And I'm going to have – in a year and a half, I'm going to have a product for you that's going to be amazing. It's the year 2020. It's going to be the best year ever. And then I talked about what the advantages of the year would be and why it was going to be the best year ever. And obviously, <laughs> 2020 turning out to be the worst year that we've all probably lived through, it it was – It was a rough time. I always expected TechCrunch to have a big article about this guy jinxed it. (laughs) It was this guy's fault. He said 2020 was going to be amazing, and now it's this shit show here. It's all his fault. So I was very very scared for the entire year. Now you showed that to your mom and I'm thinking maybe she cried because she was like, what an idiot saying 2020 was going to be the best year ever and then this is what it turned out to be. But if you're saying she actually liked the jokes, I'm very happy about that. And the 2020 pitch was probably one of the things that I've done that's least startup Mm insidery because normally I I like to get my jokes from – Specific startup stories, famous founders, things that are known about them, because I, I, I think and I know by now that startup people watching that, they will really enjoy that there is a joke that where they see, I understand that joke because it's an insider joke. People love insider jokes if they're insiders. People hate insider jokes when they're not, because then they don't get them. So my 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 hack is basically I don't I'm not good enough at comedy to just do comedy because it's so hard. But I'm the only one doing it for startup comedy. That's I, I, first to market first and only to market, and that's why it works. Because as soon as somebody else comes in and says, I'm a better comedian than Christoph. I understand startups just as well as Christoph. I can do startup comedy better, I will retire from that that job, probably, because I don't want the competition. Maybe I want a little bit of competition, (laughs) but I don't want too much competition, you know? So what I have to do is, I have to be in a niche, I'm in a niche, and it works, and people say it's funny, but I have to pitch it to the right people. I have to show it to the right people. If it's non startup people, very quickly they'll be like, What the hell are you talking about?
0: Sure, sure. Well, I don't think she was crying from the cringeworthiness. I think I think it was genuine, oh, ain't that the truth? And and, and I think there were That's some great. Of, you know, and I think there were genuinely a few of, Oh boy, wouldn't it have been great if that did turn out that way? But um Yeah. Yeah. so i 'm
1: wondering are you are you adopted because your mom sounds like a great person, so uh, what went wrong there?
0: Yeah, test tube baby, actually yeah uh, okay. yeah. yeah, I mean, the woman who raised me she's, she I call her mother she 's a wonderful she truly is a cool, <laughs> beautiful woman, you know, clearly not my biological mother. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, I know that your pandemic other has been spending a lot of time with your kids, and that 's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, your wife is very thankful for that. You must have had some time to get a new presentation together.
1: Yes. Um, I think it took me way longer than under normal circumstances, but I actually do have a new presentation that I put out recently before Christmas. And it's... a. It's basically the the new version of one of my very first startup comedy things, because one of my very first ones was called Ride My Pony, and it was uh, built as the Airbnb for ponies, where we use ponies as a transportation device, so instead of taking a taxi, you could just get on somebody else's pony and you ride it from where you are to where you want to go and then you tie it to the next tree and the next person so it's p2p location-based pony rental
0: are these gps equipped ponies
1: yes absolutely
0: all right but um
1: so p2p location-based pony rental or as we put it more eloquently collaboratively consuming ponies together (laughs) that was the that was the claim of ride my pony ride my pony has been a big hit People love it. I'm known as the pony person. Um, I've been known that, like that for, for a long time now. And Ride My Pony has always been something that I've, I did at events occasionally. I would always improve it a little bit. I would always tinker with it. But recently I realized that I have to do a completely new thing because the entire sharing economy, P2P, all of that is basically done. What's the new hot thing? It's scooters. So what I did was I, I took my pony acumen, my knowledge of the pony industry, my amazing uh, pony wisdom, and I said, how do I compete with scooters? And I think at the core of it, it's very simple, because who would ride an electric scooter if you could ride a pony instead? I think like that's our unfair advantage. That's what people always look for in, in pitches, right? The unfair advantage is we have ponies and they have no ponies. So at that point, I was like, this is this is definitely going to work. So I did a presentation. So it's all new. It's completely changed from Ride My Pony. But the concept is the same where we want ponies for transportation. It's just that it works like the scooters. So I compare it to the scooter companies. And yeah, hilarity ensues. Um, it's something that I put out as a video pitch as well as a pitch deck. The pitch deck has performed really well on the virality. Um, department for, for, for weird reasons, because I put it on my LinkedIn. I put no information about me in there. So there was no slide that advertised my services or anything. And the reason was that I put it on my freaking LinkedIn. So I thought I don't need advertising because it's always going to be connected to my profile. If somebody shares my post, my profile is still going to be right there. So people know who I am, but I'm an idiot. And that's um, the, the problem here. So what I realized is that people were actually able to download it, the PDF from LinkedIn and apparently somebody or multiple people, I don't know, did this. And then they started sharing that presentation as a PDF on WhatsApp groups, Telegram groups, by email, uh, pigeons, whatever different ways it was shared i have no i have no exact knowledge of how it happened i just see it popping up in different places because then once it's shared in like a whatsapp group somebody takes the pdf and uploads it back to linkedin so then I don't know about it because they don't know about me, because my name is in the presentation, but really small. Only one lady in New Zealand figured it out. She contacted me and said, did you do this? Because I found your name in there on one slide out of 76 slides. But everybody else is just like, I don't know who did this, but it's really funny, and they're posting it. So those posts have gone viral in like Spain, in Italy, in Brazil. So I see all of these posts and hundreds of people liking it on LinkedIn. But I only see it when somebody tags me in it. And thankfully, I have a pretty large LinkedIn network. So in a, in a f- bunch of posts, I don't know how many there are. But in the ones that I saw, I was tagged by somebody who said, hey, this was made by Christoph. I know this guy. And he does this weird pony stuff. So now <laughs> I have all of these new fans in like Italy and Brazil and the lady from New Zealand. And she shared it there. And now the New Zealand startup scene is in love with, with my pony startup, which, by the way, is now called Pony. So instead of pony, but a pony with an umlaut. And um, yeah, so that's taken off. The deck is everywhere. I recently, yesterday, I talked to a, a client of mine, a famous, um, they have like a website where you can host your own videos. Um, and they were sure. pretty famous. Most people, um, maybe even you, maybe even you uh, use it like the, the tube. Um, so that's, a client of mine that I've worked for and they called me and we talked about new projects and they were like, oh, by the way, we saw your pony deck. And I was like, how did you see it? Did you see it on my LinkedIn? And they were like, no, no, no. We got it through this channel and there and this whatever WhatsApp group and it popped up on our desk. And then somebody from the US tweets it on Twitter and says he saw it on an, uh, on an deck slack channel because apparently it's being shared everywhere just nobody comes back to me to pay me money for my services because nobody knows that I did it so that's my that's the conundrum I'm under right now in well, are you in or under a conundrum
0: you are in a conundrum
1: in a, in a conundrum can I be yes. under a conundrum as well could I could
0: you I? could be under embargo but yeah in a conundrum
1: mm-hmm Okay, we'll try to be in the conundrum You'd next be in time. a
0: conundrum, you'd be wrapped up in a riddle. Yeah, uh,
1: between a rock and a hard place. Could between I? Between a well? rock and a
0: hard place, in a conundrum. Can you be under a conundrum? No, I don't think so. You can be under the gun. Yes. And you can be under my thumb, but you yes. cannot be under a conundrum.
1: Okay, so I, I'm in a conundrum here.
0: You are. Well, it sounds to me, my friend, like you've just entered the world of professional photography.
1: <laughs> Good point. Good point.
0: Yes. <laughs> because my next question was, how much work have you generated from that viral sharing of your intellectual property?
1: Um, quite a lot, to be honest. Um, do you, quick, quick aside, funny story. So, Dan, are people aware that you're the best uh, startup event and event and startup people and people in general photographer globally? Are do, do people know this, or do they just know you as the the radio voice of Startup Sesame? nobody knows who i am okay so dan is an awesome <laughs> photographer and because he's also a cool dude a lot of startup events book him to be the event photographer and this means like he's he's seriously he's, he's photo- photographed he's taken photos of all of the big entre- entrepreneurs at a lot of the really big conferences. So that's why I know Dan because he's always around conferences where I where I go. And one time when I knew who he was and I knew him, but we didn't know each other that well yet, he came to me after one of my presentations and he said, nice picture of Elon Musk you had in your presentation. And he did that with like his full camera, like four cameras on each side and whatever. And I'm like, Shit! Like this is the 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 nightmare. I used a picture in my presentation. Now the photographer is telling me that it's his. Like normally you get an email and you're like, oh shit! But at least it's an email. So here it was in person. So I was like, oh damn! But then I thought about it and I was like, I only had one picture of Elon Musk in there, and I actually put a name in there, like who the the source of the the photo. Yes, you but did. But the thing was. Yeah, but you didn't – like you published that photo not under your name but under like a company name that you have for your pictures. And so I couldn't make the connection because I didn't know – I knew you as Dan, but I didn't know you were Heisenberg Media or whatever the company was called. But I put that on the slide. So you said you're fine with it, which I'm very thankful for. I
0: I, I said I'm more than fine, and I said, and thank you for the credit. I know I said, and thank you for the credit because I always do. You did.
1: And I try to give credit when I can. But in this scenario, I was also lucky because sometimes I forget or sometimes I can't find who actually took the picture. But where I found it, it had the proper credit on it. So I was like, "Okay, I'm giving the credit. So that worked out because otherwise I would be dead now because I didn't – if I didn't credit the picture to Dan here or to Heisenberg Media, his company, then he would have surely killed me. Because if you only (laughs) know him as the, the nice guy who's hosting this podcast, he is one scary dude. He always has knives with him. (laughs) <laughs> and like and brass like knuckles. fists. He, oh, yeah, yeah, he always has brass knuckles with him. So, scary dude. But um to get back to your question because this is something I sh- should try to do more like answer the actual questions and not tell weird stories of nah, conquests. That's five not years what we're ago. here for. No, you're right. You're right. Plus nobody's listening. So we're having a conversation nobody's listening anymore because we're in hour 3, you're completely drunk by now. Um by by the way, funny story. <laughs> Funny story. I recently had a Zoom con- uh, uh, conversation with two people. One person that I knew and the uh, the other person was invited to it because the person I knew said, hey, you, you guys should meet. So we did a little threesome Zoom call. And one of the first sentences from the, the third guy, the guy I didn't know, was like all the way in the beginning after the can you hear me, do you see me, was immediately, oh, I need to get a mojito. And then without a beat, he said, because I deserve one. And I think that was one of the best intros that I've ever heard from anybody in a Zoom call because it wasn't who he is and what he does. It was just like for this conversation, I, I really need a buzz going and I'm getting the mojito and I'm, I'm doing it because I deserve it. So that was my, my Zoom call sentence of the year so far, just as a quick aside. But let's get back to your question. I actually have generated quite a lot of actual paid work with my startup comedy, both for startup comedy that I get paid to do, but also pitch coaching that I get paid to do for the simple reason that a lot of my startup comedy, not all of it, but a lot of it is in the format of pitches because that's the format I'm really comfortable with. So I come up with a funny pitch and people realize this is funny and who is this guy? And I always put a little bit of advertising, mostly, I put a little advertising in there. Hey, I'm the pitch doctor, but today I'm here to do something funny or whatever. So they know if they are looking for a great, awesome, really friendly, good-looking, charming, smart, and humble pitch coach, they They know where to find me. (laughs) Exactly. And um, so that really helps. And I have had a couple of small successes, videos that were watched by couple hundred thousand people in and around the startup world. And there is definitely a lot of my clients that know me from that and then they give it a try. And then once you have pitch doctor feedback for your pitches, you never go back to anything else. So um, it, it does work. It's a nice hobby. It's very fun. I love the challenge of it because when you said it's an art, it's really an art and I'm horrible at it compared to the real artists, but I like the challenge. So I could have started painting, but I'm not into paintings myself so much. I love comedy. And I couldn't tell you who my like – Harald Schmidt, you yeah, don't know yeah. who that is? I know, yeah, I know I, Harald Schmidt. Yeah? Sure, of course. So I, he's a famous German comedian. He was a late-night host. He basically did the David uh, Letterman show in Germany for a long time. So he's probably one of my first sort of favorite uh, uh, comedians that I can remember. But then I like a lot of the American comedians. I love Jerry Seinfeld. um I like Ricky Gervais. I think he's uh, he's amazing. So I am inspired by them, but I also I'm I'm not stupid enough to think that I could sort of like be even a tiny fraction of one percent as awesome as they are at what they're doing. So I I looked for my niche. I found my niche, and I'd rather be the funniest startup person than the startupiest non funny comedian. If that makes sense. So I'd rather be the, the one guy in that niche. And it's it's nice, it's fun, it's challenging. Working on comedy is so freaking hard. Um, and that's good because it challenges my brain because pitches come pretty easy to me. My, my, like feedback on a pitch, because I've done so many, I've coached so many pitches. It's not that hard. Um, I enjoy it, it's fun, it's always interesting, always new ideas, new entrepreneurs, stuff like that. I love my, my day job. But the comedy thing is a real challenge, and I really enjoy that. You asked a question eight minutes ago. Do you remember? It was about...
0: Oh, sorry. I was just getting my mojito. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. You deserve one. I, don't... <laughs> I deserve one. God damn it. Who do you test your material out on?
1: Yeah, that's actually really hard um, because that's sort of the thing that is is built in with stand-up comedy, right? The understanding of stand-up comedy is that a lot of times you will go to comedy clubs where people are trying out material. And if you're lucky, it's a famous person, a great comedian trying out their material. But even then, even somebody like Jerry Seinfeld or Ricky Gervais, they're throwing away most of their jokes. So even from the best people, if they're trying out material, you're not gonna be that impressed by it. Now the thing is that doesn't exist in the startup comedy world because the startup comedy world doesn't exist.
0: There, there are no startup comedy clubs.
1: No, maybe somebody's going to open one, but um, there is actually there is a few things. There is there is co working spaces in the U.S. that have like regular comedy nights. There is there is actually some people that roast the occasional startup person, but I wouldn't call them full on startup comedians because they're comedians that slightly venture into the startup world. I'm fully committed to that and there is no clubs for it. So my my challenge is actually that sometimes I would like to try out material, but I can't really because I don't have the venue for it. Because when I do start a startup comedy, it is at a big event, it is with a full on audience. And I've had the problem before where events said, we'd love to have you do startup comedy, but we want it to be new material. We don't want it to be anywhere else in like video form or whatever and i told them that that's not normally how comedy works like the best stuff the netflix special everything on jerry seinfeld's net next netflix special is somewhere on video because somebody filmed him in a comedy club and yes testing out the material and yes they're trying to limit cameras and camera phones in comedy clubs but still that stuff gets gets online so i told them that the product would be better if i could try it out before but they said no we have a Policy at the event, just like all the talks are supposed to be new talks. We don't want anything recycled, which I agree with in keynotes to a degree. But even a keynote gets better if I do it a couple of times and I see the reaction of the audience, I get feedback, I can make it better, stuff like that. With comedy, it's deadly if you can't try it out. So, what I have to do is I have to try it out sort of with friends and people I know where I'm just like, okay, can I show you some stuff? You tell me how you like it. And then very, very gladly, I have a comedy coach who I can work on material with. I can run material by. He improves a lot of my stuff because he's an actual stand-up comedian, but he's luckily also a person that has worked in startups before which is a perfect combination so um his name is Paul Salamoni. if you ever need like uh you need to do something funny in life he's a he's a great coach for that but no but he works with people just doing like talks and want to make them more funny so he jokes that he's the punch-up doctor I'm the pitch doctor he's the punch-up doctor he makes material better and more funny and so I think for me he's the perfect person because he has the startup understanding and background so he gets these the jokes i want to make because he's actually worked in a startup just like i have but for me it's longer ago than for him so that's really helpful and i he challenges my my stuff but it is it is hard i and i'm thinking about how could i fix it because i thought about maybe doing like a startup comedy podcast where i can just try out stuff randomly i get some reactions from people and then i can move on and sort of pick the best stuff and put it somewhere else but then i realized there is already a podcast and it's your podcast and the world can't have a second podcast and that's when i scrapped the idea of doing a comedy podcast
0: i mean i've been trying out bad material for the past hour Am I doing? Yes,
1: yeah. but that's all the material you have, right? Do you have good material? Well,
0: I'm, right. I'm writing it as we go.
1: Okay, and all you're right. keeping it for the next episode with Robin?
0: <laughs> Doctor, we have been talking for quite a long time now. We're into the second episode. Uh, I'm going to have to cut this short because I'm literally running out of space here. Um, I'll put this in both episodes. Tell me what you're working on, what gets you out of bed in the morning, what are you most looking forward to, and any last thoughts for our listeners?
1: Um... That's so many questions. I can't remember half of them. Okay, so um, what am I working on? I'm doing the usual thing. I'm working on a couple of new startup comedy things. If you want to hear about it, sign up at startupfunny.com. That's my little uh, website that I have for my startup comedy. Um, I do pitch coaching. I work on a couple of products for people to learn how to pitch, but that's going to take forever because there's a lockdown, there's no child uh, care, so I'm I'm not working that much. What gets me out of bed in the morning is is, I don't know, when it's sunny like today, it's a lot easier. Berlin was sunny today. I did I actually did an hour of cycling in the forest before I came on this podcast. So that definitely got me out of bed. Normally, it's just the foot of my son on my nose that gets me out of bed. <laughs> because he's like, dude, I'm waking up. I have no control over my... Uh, my, my feet or my hand, so he's slapping me, he's kicking me, whatever. Also, why is he sleeping in my bed? He has a perfectly fine own bed, but he's not sleeping in it.
0: Why are you not sleeping in his bed?
1: Yeah, because it's tiny and I can't fit in there. Ah. That's the problem. If he had a full-sized bed, I would do it, but he doesn't. So, um, yeah, that's that's. what was the seventh, eighth, and ninth question of the bunch of questions you asked?
0: Uh, number 12 and 13 were, what are you looking forward to? And number... Mm-hmm. 87 was any last thoughts?
1: Any last thoughts? I had, I had great fun. Um, it's always great to talk to you. I think, and I mean, this is bad for the listeners, but the listeners had to suffer through a lot of our sort of banter here because we haven't met in a year. Because there is no events, and events is where we normally meet. So for me, it was a great time just to chat with you. And sorry for the listeners that they had to listen to all of that. (laughs) Also, if Robin Vouters is trying to sue me or put a big story (laughs) on his huge website that he has, tech.eu, the biggest tech website in Europe, don't sue me, Robin. It was all just fun and games. I really hate you. Uh, No, I really don't hate you that much. Just watch my freaking startup comedy. Give me some feedback. I want some nasty feedback from a nasty Belgian guy. Put the nasty feedback on your huge website, tech.eu. Do all of those things. But for crying out loud, watch some of my startup comedy. I actually think you will love it. That's my final thoughts.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this has been an enjoyable double episode with the pitch doctor, Dr. Christoph Solich. Doctor, take us out. Tell me where I can find you and tell the kids where they can find you on TikTok.
1: TikTok? um, I'm actually going to be huge on TikTok soon. I'm seriously thinking about getting on it. Normally, I prefer old school platforms. I love LinkedIn. That's where you will find me. My name is Unique. There is no other Christoph Zollich on LinkedIn, so you'll find me. I'm also at Pitch Doctor on Twitter. And um, yeah, try to find me in real life. Look for the person in the brightly colored Adidas jacket at a startup conference and say hi. And say hi and say that you heard me on this podcast so that I can talk to the thousands and thousands of people that are, are listening right now
0: fantastic man thank you so much for joining me today ladies and gentlemen that is it i am wrapping it up this has been the selected podcast i am your host dan taylor and i am out of here